On a fantastic Tuesday afternoon, evening, where may some of you may be located at. It's the Teddy Bear. Welcome to Night Tracks Radio. And today's artist spotlight, gifted singer, songwriter, and just an all-around beautiful person. The legendary Mr. Elliot Laurie is joining us today, and we truly appreciate your time. Thank you so much for joining us today. You're very welcome, Teddy. Good to see you. You know what? Everyone has become so fascinated with the hit single, but I want to take it to a completely different direction. I want to put the emphasis on songwriters, being as far as songwriting is concerned, because I think you're an incredible songwriter. And I know we're both we're both 21. We've been around the block a few times. <laughs> I know for me in the 70s, that was the time for singer songwriters, you know, for Simon and Garfunkel and for other great artists where the emphasis was putting on songwriting and it meant something. There was meaning. And I wanted to ask you, because I've seen you play it just with an acoustic guitar and you you sound wonderful. It's natural. And I wanted to ask you, where do you think we what do you think happened along the way as far as songwriters and songwriting is no longer an emphasis the way it used to be? Well, I mean, everything has changed uh, musically uh, in today's production world and the way records are made. Uh, a lot of songs were sort of written by committee, multiple writers, and uh, production is very important to stand out, you know, and, and sound competitive with everything else that's out there. Um, but, you know, there, there are still some folks out there who can, uh, can get stripped down and, and sound pretty good. Um, you know, I, I think there's still real good songwriting around. You just have to look a little harder to find it because there's so much out there that you got to filter a lot of stuff to to you find uh, what you're looking for. But there, there's still good songwriting out there. You know, I think the I think the to me personally the lost of way the way radio used to be. You could turn to a particular station and find your favorite artists, find a certain kind of music that you want to listen to. And I think radio has changed so radio. much where everything is based upon it's streaming now. Yeah, what used to be great about radio when I grew up was, and I grew up in New York, so we had four great top 40 radio stations. And I remember, you know, when I was a teenager, listening to the car radio on the same station, in a course of 15 minutes, you could hear Bob Dylan, Marvin Gaye, uh, The Birds, uh, you know, you could hear every kind of music. They played the hits and there was no, no differentiation between different genres. So you could hear all kinds of stuff and get exposed to all kinds of stuff. Now, you know, with, with streaming, uh, they, they choose, uh, the algorithms and stuff choose stuff similar to the stuff that you've already listened to. So you get into a bag and, and they keep, you know, they keep pounding on that bag for you and you may not get exposed to, uh, to a wider, wider range of things. You know, I remember a time where I couldn't wait to, as far as being able to earn an allowance to cut grass or do chores and being able to go to the local record store and buy an album. And it was something magical about seeing the, reading the liner notes, the album artwork. And I wanted to ask you, what was your opinion when you started seeing all the record stores 
falling by the wayside. I mean, Tower Records, Sam Goody, The Warehouse. What was your mindset? Did you ever think this would happen? I didn't see that. I didn't see it coming. Um, and I sure wish they were still around. I mean, I used to be able to spend hours in a big Tower Records going through stuff. Right. <laughs> uh, you know, I'm, I, I miss that. I mean, it, the hunting, hunting through, uh, through the internet is not same as right. the physical stuff, seeing the pictures of the artists and looking at the line and I'll see who played on this. You know, maybe I'm not familiar with the artists. But looks like there's a lot of people that like played on the record. So maybe I'll get that. Uh, you you got you to gotta dig a lot harder for that now. Yeah, I mean, it's really changed. I mean, you've had an opportunity to do a lot of work behind the scenes. And I wanted to ask you, what gives you more gratification doing working behind the scenes are actually performing live. Now, the performing live is still is still the, the most direct communication with people. Um, working behind the scenes when I worked in the film music business was very interesting, and I learned a lot of things about it. I got to meet and work with a lot of uh, really talented people, but it's a whole different thing from from performing uh, performing live. Performing live is a very very direct connection. Do you, prefer, do you prefer performing in a larger venue or something more intimate? Depends on, depends on what I'm doing. You know, I do two different kinds of shows now, and I don't play that often anymore because the travel is kind of rough at our age, you know. Right. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, you know, I, I do certain shows that are electric with a band um, and some that are, as you said, your singer-songwriter shows just guitar. But other shows, uh, a smaller places is, is probably a, a better scene for me. Uh, for the big shows, the more the merrier, you know. I like that. <laughs> what I'm seeing now, a lot of artists are making a transition where they're selling their catalogs for large sum of money. And I didn't think it would ever get to that point that a lot of artists would sell their catalogs because once the label gets a hold of them, they can quadruple the amount that they originally paid the artists to get the catalog. Why do you think this is happening to so many artists? I think, I think there are a couple of reasons. I think one is the market for it uh, exploded so much that the dollars that people are throwing around are hard to resist. I think the other thing is, is that a lot of the artists who are selling are older artists. And, you know, you sit down, you talk to your accountant, you talk to your, your estate lawyer, and you say, okay, you know, I'm looking after my kids and my wife, and maybe it's better than waiting, you know, every year for them to collect some royalties. Maybe it's better to plan for it in a different way. So I, I think both those factors come into play. Okay. Because I've seen them, uh, as far as the Stones are concerned, they have yet to sell that catalog. But I know, if I'm not mistaken, Bruce, Sting, Bruce Springsteen, just recently done that that he sold his catalog and i'm like wow it's just it's going completely haywire i want what is your opinion as far as streaming and how the artists are getting quote unquote paid from streaming now well i think this i think the artists are underpaid uh in in terms of where the money flows and and how it flows i mean the artists are getting underpaid for a couple of reasons uh, but the main one is because the record companies are still playing the artists 
at the royalty rate that the artist agreed to with the record company. So the record company is still getting the bulk of the money. That, right. that's, that's part one of it. Uh, part two of it is, you know, I mean, if you look at Spotify, Spotify as a company has yet to record a profit. They're a public company, so you can look at their stuff on the, you know, and they've yet to record a profit because they give a large, large sums of money to the record companies. But the record companies only pay the artists based on the original artist deal. So that's a problem. But for what we like to call a legacy artist, myself, uh, streaming has been very good because it used to be, you know, let's say 20 years ago, you wanted to find Brandy. You had to go to your Tower Records and you had to look through a bunch of oldie stuff and hopefully you would find a compilation that had Brandy on it. That's a lot of effort. And then you had to pay $12, $14, whatever it was for the whole CD with a bunch of other oldies compiled on it that you might not have been interested in. You were just interested in Brandy. So streaming for legacy artists and for songs that have had the good fortune to hang around like Brandy is a good thing. Um, it gets more and more people uh, easy access to it. Do you think it's been more beneficial beneficial for today's artists to be independent or still on a major label from a monetary standpoint? That's a tough call. I mean, from a monetary standpoint, obviously, if you're independent, you put your stuff up uh, by yourself, you're going to collect the money that the record company would ordinarily collect. On the other hand, you know, you put your stuff up by yourself, you're up there with 100 million other things. So how is somebody going to find you? And that's right. hopefully what the record company's role is, is marketing you and uh, making people be able to find you. Um, as far as the split of income, there's, there's no contest. If you're able to make it independently on your own, uh, you know, all that money that otherwise goes to the record company goes to you. But then you've got to find a way to get discovered. Without question, when you started in your 20s, the industry was completely different. A lot of artists during that era didn't understand the business side of the industry. How long did it take you to really learn the business side and understand this is a business first before anything else? Well, we were pretty lucky in that uh, we found some good people in terms of lawyer and management so we didn't get ripped off too badly like some of the stories that you hear but in terms of really understanding how the you know how an artist and a writer makes money in the business it took a couple of years to understand oh okay you know that number at the end of the day doesn't mean a lot to my pocket um but this right. other number which you may not keep your eyes on that's more important you know Absolutely. And I know that I've had an opportunity to speak to so many wonderful artists like yourself. And one of the things they constantly kind of beat in my head, he said, is that a lot of these artists don't understand that when the label, quote unquote, gives them money, it's a loan. The label is like a bank and they have to recoup, they have to recoup that money back. And also, Giving, giving me as much information as they possibly can to help me to understand and a lot of these artists, young artists to understand, is that how important it is to own your masters. 
Yeah, well, you won't be able to do that with a record company too much, I don't think. Um, you know, and also, I, I, I got to tell you that, you know, I'm not entirely up to speed on the most recent kinds of deals that are being made these days. I, you know, I got out of that end of it about uh, eight or ten years ago, and things change so quickly now, so it's, it's different now than it was then. But um, uh, usually a major record company will never own your masters. But, I mean, you know, the, 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 the woman who is the, the, the greatest uh, entrepreneur artist ever is Taylor Day. I, I'm sorry, Taylor Swift, not Taylor Day. Taylor but Swift. Swift. <laughs> it's Taylor Swift because, you know, she remade all those records and put them out, and she owns them now because she didn't like the way she was being treated. Uh, but, you know, there aren't that many people who are able to do that. But, uh, you know, uh, she's not only a great artist, but but she's a business genius. And that's the thing we were talking about earlier is having a clear understanding on how this business works and being able to reinvent yourself. But at the end of the day, it comes down to being able to put out a wonderful product. And the thing that I miss so much is that when you put out an album, it just wasn't one song. You had 12 songs on there and it was people were clamoring to listen to the music. But now with the streaming, you put out one song and people, they buy that. And it's just not the same feeling to me. It's it, it comes across as being very generic. It's nothing. There's no way that you can connect with the artists. And I really miss that because you had an opportunity to do a meet and greet at various record stores and they don't have that anymore. Do you think somewhere down the line that might change or we're just where we're at right now? I don't think it's going back, Teddy, but I, I'm a little bit more optimistic about it than you seem to be. I, I, okay. think, I think that when you look uh, artists, and, and again, Taylor Swift is the, is the best example, but you could still connect with your fans once you get past a certain uh that's a certain point. The thing is, like always, it's hard to break through. And it's it's right. hard to break through now because there's so much available and it's so much so easily accessible. But if you get a group of fans, you can talk to them on YouTube, you can connect to them uh, through through Facebook and all these social media, you can go out and do shows and do meet and greets. So you, you can still you can still do that. now the concept of an album that's a different story because the concept of an album was, you know. There were concept albums back then where all those songs were right. working. Uh, but my group looking at that, our albums were not conceptual. They were just a collection of songs. Some were better than others. So I think that that is, is, is missing, the idea of a conceptual album. But that was a small part of it anyway, I think, back then. I do miss, what I do miss is the physical album with the liner notes right there right. telling you played on the record, right. the artwork and the <laughs> I do, I do miss that, but I'm a little more optimistic about it than you are because I think there's still, still a pretty good way to connect with, uh, with the audience. You know, it's funny. Uh, Melissa Manchester just she just released a new single, a duet that she worked with, worked on with uh, Kenny Loggins, and it sounded wonderful. And the first thing that came to mind, if people are not truly Melissa Manchester fans, where are they going to hear the song at? Because as we said earlier, the station, radio stations have changed so much. Where do you hear songs like that? Because to me, everything is geared to the United Kingdom. I see more artists from the United States that travel 
to England, Switzerland, uh, uh, I mean, uh, Germany, and they're being treated in Japan, forgive me, Japan, and being treated like royalty. Uh, I, I don't know. I mean, all right, so let's take the Melissa Manchester, Kenny Lyons thing for, for an example. Um, I assume it's out on a major label, or maybe not. But right. the, the first place people will find it might be the radio, but it might be on their playlist of, you know, hot new releases on Spotify, you know. Right. Uh, what's new? So, uh, every place you can get it. As far as touring, Ken just did a huge tour. He just did what he called his farewell tour. He did a huge tour. did very well all across America. Um, I, I kept an eye on it because my good friends, Yacht Rock Review, opened for him on a lot of those shows. And it's very successful tour. Okay. So, you know, I think I think it can be done. I'm much more optimistic about all this stuff with you, Eddie. You know what? I, I guess what it is, I know, because my, my my son gets on. He said, Dad, you're stuck in the past. You're stuck in the past. It's, and I tell him, it's not so much that I'm stuck in the past. I just have a greater appreciation and such a level of respect what artists did in the 60s, 70s, even in the 80s. And I think now that a lot of artists don't take the craft seriously you get your you know your, your, your tool, tools and the fruity loops and all this other things you put up a youtube video and you get signed to a record label and i remember artists could actually pick up a guitar and play they could actually play percussions they could play a trumpet and i don't see this it. like to me it's like the lost art of true musicianship you can pick up an acoustic guitar an acoustic guitar and play and sound just as wonderful if you picked up an electric guitar. I miss that. I really, truly miss that. Well, that that part of it, I agree with you. The way records are made now, and the way songs are written now, is a very, it's an entirely different process than it was back in the 70s and 80s. Because with the, what you can do on a simple laptop, and, uh, you know, the kind of production that you can do, uh, yes, I agree with you. There's a lot of music that is made uh, in a way that is entirely different than the way we used to make music 50 years ago. And you know, if you combine yourself listening to, I guess, certain kinds of top 40 radio or whatever, that's all you'll hear. You know, so yeah. again, you got you got to dig a little deeper. But yes, the yeah. entire process of making a pop record, so to speak, like you know, right. was made with four guys playing in the studio together. And we did a couple of overdubs and we sang each chorus separately. We didn't cut and copy and paste it. You know, there's four choruses. We had to sing each chorus on, in tune and in time. And, uh, you know, now you can just copy and paste it over and auto tune it a little bit if it's a little bit out of tune. So, yes, that process has changed dramatically. It is, is because to me, I've listened to both. I've listened to Brent, I've listened to it on vinyl, and I've listened it on as far as digital. And I'm a vinyl guy. I'm a vinyl cat. It's something. <laughs> I'm a vinyl guy. And it's just something about that, that rawness, hearing that on vinyl is just something unique and something so special. I got to ask because I know a lot of the fans want to know, are you going to perform anytime soon? I'm doing a couple of things. I'm doing one thing out here in California in Riverside in November. It's a, 
big multi-act thing where I think uh, they're, they're turning on the lights at Riverside for, for Christmas, and uh, Mark McGrath is going to be on it with me, and uh, uh, a bunch of other acts, multi-act thing with a, with a real good band. Uh, I do something every Christmas. I go back home to New Jersey, and I do a Christmas show at uh, in a town called Red Bank at a great historical theater, the Count Basie Theater. I try to do that one every year. Um, so, you know, I do things here and there, but um, if you want to, anybody wants to check it out, I do have a website, just elliotlurie.com. I have a Facebook page. Usually if I'm playing it, it's up on there. I hope so. You know what? Whenever you get a chance, we would love you to have you come down to Houston and play. I mean, there are a lot of wonderful venues that would love to see you perform live, especially the House of Blues out here. Yeah. Let them know. Give me a call. You can. I'm easy to find. I'm easy to find. I'm a friend of mine. Like I said, you know, I don't like to travel too much, and I don't like to travel too far. So, right. Uh, you know, I'm a little, a little selective about it. I understand. How did you deal with the whole pandemic? Because I know it affected a lot of people. It was hard, man. It was hard. Um, you know, it wasn't. It wasn't hard on me like it is on touring artists who make their living touring and then couldn't. Um, but one good thing came out of it. I don't know if you, for me anyway, did you scope out that acapella version of Brandy that's on YouTube? Yes. Well, that was a YouTube thing. What happened was I was supposed to do a show uh, up near Toronto, Canada. And I had asked these uh, the singing group to join me because it's particular song that I do in the set that only really works well if you have background singers working it. And we were set to do it and then the pandemic came. And and a couple of months later in the heart of the pandemic, the, the guys called me up and they said, you know, we have an a cappella version that we do of Brandy. Uh, would you want to sing the lead on it? And I said, uh, well, send it to me. I, I'd certainly be interested. And they sent me this fabulous a cappella arrangement of Brandy. So I put my vocal on it, and then we did a video, all Zoom stuff, you know, and cut it together. Right. <laughs> yeah, real well. People seem to love it, you know. So uh, uh, it's up there on YouTube if you want to check it out. But that came out real well. And that was, you know, one of the few good things for me that came out of COVID. And I noticed that a lot of artists during that time, they were doing live concerts on Zoom, on Instagram doing some on Facebook to make sure they were still connected to their fans. But it has been a dream of mine to actually have you on the show. Like I said, I have so much reverence for great artists and great songwriters. And I think you're an exceptional songwriter. And I want to thank you for allowing me to converse with you. Whatever you need, please do not hesitate to let me know. I would definitely like my album signed and autographed by you whenever you get a chance. <laughs> Whenever you get a chance, I really would. But it has been an honor. Whatever you need, please do not hesitate to let us know. We would love to promote whatever you're doing. All right, well, it's a pleasure talking with you, Teddy. Have a good day. Thank you so much. The legendary Mr. Elliot Laurie here on Night Tracks Radio. Family, be sure to go check out his official website to get all the latest updates as far as upcoming performances. That's at ElliotLurie.com. That's E-L-L-I-O-T Lurie, L-U-R-I-E.
EllieLurie.com. And for those who missed the interview, no need to fear. We got you covered. You can always see the interview in its entirety on our official YouTube channel. That's at Night Tracks with two X's, double X. <laughs> That's at Night Tracks Radio Podcast. And also you can catch up with us on Instagram, same handle, Night Tracks Radio, TikTok, and of course on Facebook Live. And also what we're going to do if you get you if you like the video, we got something special for you too. We also make sure we upload the audio to our, our to our iHeartRadio station. So we got you covered all the way around. I want to thank everyone for tuning in and allowing the teddy bear to help you tune out and get all the negativity in your life. I know we all have experienced a lot of negative things, but it's all right. We're going to get through this, I promise you. But as in always, I want everyone to keep it soulful here on Nitrex Radio. God bless. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.